Hello, Valparaiso. This is Allison Schutte. And Willa Walsh. And you're listening to Welcome Project Radio. The Welcome Project collects first-person stories and pairs them with facilitated conversation to help participants forge stronger ties within and across communities. We vision a world in which people are curious about and actively seek to engage those who are different from themselves. We are proudly underwritten by Asana Yoga Center and Roots Market Cafe, two excellent ways to feel good during a pandemic. They're located online at asanacenter.com and rootsmarketcafe.com. Theme music is provided by WVLP's very own Paul Schreiner. Thanks, Paul. Today, we bring you two stories from the Welcome Project's Flight Paths Initiative, so listen up. Our stories today are called Reach Out to Our Neighbor and Should Play Nicer. And both stories today come from the Welcome Project's Flight Paths Initiative. If you are a regular listener, you will know that we have played quite a few from this collection. Um, But for those of you who may be tuning in for the first time, uh, the Welcome Project in 2015 started the Flight Paths Initiative, which we uh, were really interested in Northwest Indiana and documenting something of the history of the region, specifically through the rise of the civil rights movement uh, and black um, empowerment in uh, Gary, Indiana, and then the subsequent white flight and business flight from the city that was something of a backlash to that opportunity that was opened up during the civil rights movement. Also, the deindustrialization of the mills and the ongoing impact that that has had on the region in terms of who lives where. And today, both storytellers um, are identi- would identify as white, and they both were born and raised in Gary, and they provide sort of two different takes on whether we can be good neighbors to each other across this county line, Porter and Lake County. So we're excited to <laughs> share the stories with you and see like, if you're listening, maybe who you line up with or identify with or how you respond and react to their, um, their accounts of our life in the region. Yeah, so today on the show, as usual, we'll go ahead and play those stories for you and pause in between each to have a conversation about what the storytellers experience. And in our first story today, reach out to our neighbor. Um, Our storyteller talks about a time in which a snowstorm happened in Gary and the relationship between Lake and Porter County and two cities in each and how they reacted to that snowstorm. Uh, a couple of years ago when we had a significant snowstorm, uh, a plume of snow, lake effect snow was coming off of Lake Michigan and dropping over the city of Gary. And it was actually isolated within the city of Gary, too. It was basically from Broadway downtown to Klein Avenue, right where I work. So it was a pencil effect just all day long dropping off of Lake Michigan. And in a 24-hour period, I believe it was around 23 inches of snow fell, give or take. But in that neighborhood, Gary was overwhelmed trying to keep up with it. Traffic had come to a, a standstill. I was trapped in it for a while. I was able to work my way out of it. But the mayor of Portage, on his own, called up Karen and the administration, Gary, and offered to send help because he knew they were struggling. And, of course, you know, their equipment is so inferior. They, they have, I think they had two operational trucks and 15 pickup trucks they borrowed from the park department and different departments throughout the city to plow 512 miles of road. That's an unbelievable task they performed. But Portage sent these trucks to help. Even knowing that he probably, politically speaking, in his own town would take a beating for it, he did in the papers and throughout the local media. And that uh, I know he was challenged from some of the council members that maybe uh, didn't agree with his decision. But uh, on numerous occasions, even though he was challenged and some folks maybe thought it wasn't the right thing to do to send trucks with their taxpayers' money to Gary, his answer was, look, if that storm would have shifted and went this way, 10 miles the other direction, it had been us, and we would have been looking for help because we wouldn't have been able to keep up with it. And I would want to be able to reach out to Karen or hope Karen would reach out to us as well, or the City of Gary administration. But as he said many times, I'd do it again because it was the right thing to do to reach out to our neighbor. He felt it was the right thing to do. Okay, if you're just tuning in, this is WVLP, and you're listening to Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio with uh, me, Allison Schutte, and Willow Walsh. And today we are bringing you two stories from our Flight Paths Initiative. And uh, let's unpack this first story from our, our storyteller here who was born and raised in Gary. Yeah, so, okay, so my first question is, like, how would you describe the, like, a high-level overview of, of what the incident, like, what happened? 
Uh, okay, so big snowstorm, huge lake effect, centered in a very narrow part of Gary. He called it a pencil, I think. Uh, dropping a ton of snow. And the city of Gary, which already it sounds like had um, limited resources to take care of that kind of weather event, um, was in dire straits. And the mayor of Portage, recognizing what was going on, reached out to the mayor of Gary. At that time, it was Karen Freeman Wilson and offered to send like plows and maybe salt trucks over to help deal with all of the snow. And some people were upset about that. I guess that's <laughs> like that's kind of how I would summarize or give that overview. Yeah, it's like there's like uh like a weird reaction between like the mayor of Portage, right? That's like saying, hey, we we've got the stuff here, we can offer it to you. And then it's like our storyteller kind of talks about like this adverse effect that that's having he's like describing it as like a political like media backlash on like the portage mayor's decision to like send help and and what i find myself like wondering is like i don't know it's like the mayor of portage said he he did it and he'll do it again because it's the right thing to do and i find myself so like I don't know, like, when I think of, like, it's the right thing to do, to me, that's, like, it's common sense, right? It's, like, if you do something bad, you apologize for it, or you reach out when somebody needs help. It's just, like, so it's weird to me that it's just, like, it didn't have this, like, overwhelming support from people. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's the right thing to do, so it's totally fine. But, like, how do you account for, like, this backlash that's, that the Portage Mayor is getting from it? Yeah, well, this storyteller, at least from his recollection of it, seems to take it back to taxes, <laughs> mm. which I think is interesting because, I, I mean, there's some, like, if you if you offer that rationale, like, I can hear the economic sense in that. But at the same time, I, I think maybe because I identify more with the storyteller's attitude and the mayor of Portage's attitude, like, this is something you would want done on your behalf if you were in dire straits and we're here next to each other why do our resources like that we have invested in need to only be held for ourselves like wouldn't I think when he said when the mayor said it's like the right thing to do or it just like that there's an ethical imperative Mm -hmm. and so the good neighbor ethic like, but again, I feel like depending on how that was shared with the public, mm-hmm. why wouldn't that rally? You know, we're like as Midwesterners, I feel like we get behind being good neighbors, <laughs> at least in theory. Yeah. So it is interesting. I mean, I, I, this this will take us a little bit more into speculation based on our own understanding of dynamics in the region. But can we start to understand why? In this case, the ethic of the good neighbor is not strong enough for people. Do you have ideas of like yeah. why people are negatively reacting? Yeah, I wonder if it's more like part of me wonders if it's like a like a specific to Gary situation. Like, I mean, if if Valparaiso were to have like a similar mm-hmm. thing and we needed help, and like the Portage came over and helped us out with their be the same amount of backlash I mean maybe but I don't know it's like it's also hard for me because I I, I'm reminded of the fact that we're still not like as a region like conscious of like this history that we've undergone as northwest Indiana so I'm thinking about like how many people in Portage maybe drive to like go to the steel mills to work every day and then go back to their home in Portage and then pay income taxes and everything like pay it in Portage yeah and so none of that money like trickles back into Gary and so I don't know so part of me it just feels like you know this is something that we should do but I don't know and it's also weird to me like I remember this is like probably over a decade ago but we were driving home from my family's in Iowa and we were on 30 and there was this horrible blizzard on the way home we were in my dad's SUV and there was just like feet of snow around us to the point where we like traffic was at such a standstill that we got stuck in the snow and these people who lived off of 30 literally came out of mm. their houses with shovels yeah. and just started shoveling yeah. like all the cars out and it's like oh my gosh like you know it's just like that just feels like 
you know, that's like, that's kind of what I'd expect from this. And so it's weird to me that it's like, I don't know, that I can have that sort of experience of like people shoveling, you know, strangers out on 30 in front of their house. But then, you know, if something similar happens like that for Gary, like why, like why, why is there a difference there? Like why is, why does it come down to like, we're using our, our tax money to do yeah. this? Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. don't know how to account for it. I mean, I think there's one sense in which, you know, an individual family making a decision, they feel like it's their decision to mm. like, so they're sacrificing their time or they're like, you know, potentially like getting tired from the physical labor, but they have made that choice for themselves and they see it as a gift that then they are giving. Mm. Um, and I, I think there's, there's a question like cannot be scaled up to a city uh, so, like, one question I want to wrestle with today at some point is, like, is it fair to use this metaphor of the neighbor between cities, between counties? Is it more supposed to be something that's for people, you know, like, at mm-hmm. the individual level? I, and I'm not saying it, it is, but but I do think that is a feature of the difference. So these Portage residents felt they didn't feel like they were choosing to do this. Mm-hmm. Someone chose it on their behalf. Then, like, totally on the other hand, I'm with you about the tax base thing. Like, uh, so there's this awareness that I've paid my taxes to my city, and so that's an investment in my community, and it should profit my community. But if you have a larger awareness of the region, and you think about how tax the tax base has been pulled out of the city of Gary as people have moved out of the city, you know, initially that being the white flight and the business flight, but it's also been um, black families that have moved out as it's become harder to like send your kids to school there, et cetera, et cetera. So the, you don't see that you don't see the advantage that you've had of like working in Gary in the steel mills and then bringing that income out of you don't think of yourself as taking Mm -hmm. the income out you only think of yourself as earning and so that whole like this is something I've done and I've earned like you're not making it you're not paying attention to the fact that you're actually part of a disinvestment so to share your um, plows and salt trucks is actually a a reciprocal (laughs) Like it's a ch- it's a chance to like actually pay back mm-hmm. what you've taken out, mm-hmm. but that yeah that perspective like how and where do people get that and it's it's not a comfortable perspective to have like oh yeah every time I go work at the steel mills I'm taking something away from the city of Gary, um, so yeah I I can see <laughs> this gets complicated pretty quickly and that's why I wonder too like if there would potentially be a difference if it like happened to a place like Valpo because it's like would there be I don't know I'm just thinking of like talking to people and like how these like general perceptions of Gary that come up like why don't you know the they why don't they just do this to their city or why don't they just and it's like I wonder it's like would that be the same sentiment of Mm -hmm. Valpo it's like Valpo it feels like you know, it's very different than Gary. We don't have empty storefronts. It's just like there's a lot of tax money here. So it's like if we're in trouble, it does, is the perception that it's of no fault of our own. Yeah, right. And then it would be easier to help us. Yeah. And it's like, does that change when, when it's going, you know, when the snowplows are going to Gary? And it's like, well, they should have prepared for this or they should yeah. have the, the mechanisms there. And so that's how I wonder, too, if, like, racism plays a part in, like, how nice we're willing to be with, with this tax money. Yeah, and it might be like political difference in addition to racism. Like, um, we're going to hear this referenced in the second storyteller today, like the democratic machine and its corruption. So, if that city, Gary, and its democratic, cor- corrupt democratic machine is at fault for the condition of the city, then somehow um, that means, you know, they have to deal with the weather event because they should have been better prepared like mm-hmm. and then like you said a city that doesn't have that sort of um disinvestment like it only looks like the weather is the problem yeah right because mm-hmm. otherwise surely they would have what they needed to take care of this because they take care of themselves so 
I do think that blame, which again is a part of the history that's not been reckoned with, who's blamed for the current situation and conditions that um, Gary finds itself in. And I, I do think that's largely related to race still and not confronting that racism in our, in our region. Um, this is WVLP, and you're listening to Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio, with me, Allison Schutte, and Willow Walsh. And today we are sharing stories from our Flight Paths Initiative. And we've been listening to a storyteller who was remembering a big um, snowstorm from maybe four or five years ago that really dumped tons of snow on Gary, but not really anywhere else in the region, and how Portage's mayor helped um, the city out, and that led to some political blowback for him. Uh, I, I wonder if you are ready to think at all about this question of whether the, the metaphor of neighbors is appropriate to expand to cities and counties. And um, if you're ready, like maybe we should read this other part of the storyteller um, and how he thinks about the two counties as possible neighbors or not. Yeah, no, I think that's great. So the the storyteller from today also had um, an additional excerpt uh, from his interview with The Welcome Project, and uh, I'll go ahead and read that now. So again, this is in the storyteller's words. Uh, I think Lake and Porter County are probably better neighbors and friends and share and have a mutual cooperation with each other better today than they ever have. I think there's probably still always going to be some division and just because that's politics. If you look at today versus years ago, you know, I don't know if there was ever a big division or big wedge between the two, but I think that there was obviously some just because of the problems that Lake County faced with the big three inner cities of Gary, East Chicago, and Hammond being part of the county. As time has grown and as time has gone on, they do face a lot of challenges in Porter County, some of their own things that have happened along the course of time, maybe better understand it. Me personally, what I see, my opinion is, I don't think there's a big division between the two. And again, that was an excerpt from uh, our storyteller today. And I I think that's so interesting. Like (laughs) this other excerpt seems to like really juxtapose some of you know, what the storyteller mentioned about, like, this pushback that the mayor of Portage received for giving their plows. Because, I mean, reading, like, if I were to only get, like, a scope of, like, the story, like, that he said, like, there's a snowstorm in Gary, the Portage mayor sent plow trucks over there. If that's what I got from him, and then I read this paragraph, I would assume that the story turned out that, like, Gary needed help, and Portage was overwhelmingly excited (laughs) to give help, and they did it, and everybody was so glad that they could help out, and was so appreciative, and it's like, that's not the story at all, so I think it's so interesting that it, that, I don't know, our storyteller really feels like they've, you know, Lake and Porter counties have been better neighbors than they ever have been. Yeah, what is the evidence he has for his optimism? <laughs> Although it struck me as you were talking, like maybe you and I have idealized what the neighbor relation is like, you know? Mm. Like maybe we've assumed it's more active and um, generous. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't know though, it's hard because when you think about it, like from your own personal experience of, of having a good neighbor, you assume that it's like um, maybe not always not always smooth sailing, you know. Like maybe they, I, I don't know, they mow their grass too early on Saturdays <laughs> or something, which is your one day to sleep in. Or their teenage kids like use the garage for their band, and it's always when you're trying to go to sleep on Thursday night, um, you know. And like you know to kind of accept some of those obstacle challenges you know like or whatever but like you still think of the 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 good neighbor is still somebody who like wants to show up for you or share in some in some kind of way but um but I don't know maybe we maybe when we're thinking about what it means to be good neighbors across county lines we should lower our standards (laughs) I don't know that feels weird to me but I don't what do you think yeah I mean I think that's a really good point I mean I think maybe what the storyteller is kind of pointing out here is that the portage mayor you know despite the backlash that he got like still decided 
to send like snowplow resources over to Gary despite the pushback and things. So I think like maybe that I mean that is a step to acknowledge. I mean Portage yeah. could have said yeah. like you know yeah you're out of luck. <laughs> We've or got not him. Even but... thought about Gary at all. Exactly. Yeah. So I think like the, he is acknowledging that there is some sort of like cross collaboration that is like. I don't know. It's like even though like people in Portage weren't so happy about it, it is really nice to know that it's like that did happen. Yeah. And I'm, you know, proud of our region for doing that. And so, I mean, I think there's there's small things. And I think uh, I, uh, I guess I would agree with him when he says that there's a better neighborly relationship over time, because I don't know if I'm thinking about like the late 60s, early 70s in Gary, and, like, primarily the feeling in Northwest Indiana is, like, you know, get the heck out of Gary and go somewhere else. You know, I, I suppose that's that's not a, a, as prevalent of a mindset today, so maybe it's just we've gotten a little bit better at being neighbors together that we think about each other and not necessarily in, like, a got to get the heck out of Lake County, you know, for Porter County people. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wonder, too, if the mayors um, in their region have started to form relationships with each other that gives this storyteller some kind of hope. Mm-hmm. But, like, has that has that expanded out from the mayors to the residents in the same way? And maybe it also depends on, like, how much... Like, what's going on in Portage in particular, which... I don't feel like I have much, uh, like certainly through flight paths have not done a lot of work around Portage and its history. And so I'm not quite sure, like with white flight, for example, did that jump Portage? Um, Did it come to Portage more recently? Um, Are there other, like there are other, like, I don't know, demographic situations in terms of like how Portage is growing or not growing as a city right now that, would make it feel more uh, reticent to share its tax wealth through mm. the plows. So there could be some features of the story that have to do with Portage in particular that we're less aware of. And if this storyteller is thinking larger and not just isolating this as a Portage Gary thing, that maybe some of his optimism comes from uh, like other ways that the two counties are beginning to I don't know it's not like he says they're collaborating he's just more talking about there's not necessarily a div- he uses the word division mm-hmm. I don't but then he also says I don't know if there was ever a big division yeah. or a big wedge between the two um, and I, I I just have to push back on yeah. that because <laughs> at least if you look at census data and I don't know, maybe I am putting too much weight on race as a, a measure of that division. Mm. But the fact that Lake County, according to the census, um, has been racially and ethnically diverse for, I mean, since the founding of Gary in the ni- 1909 or whatever it was, and then Porter County has been almost 100% white, I think until the 1980 census, um, when it starts to change a bit and become slightly (laughs) racially diverse. But even now, I think we're in the 80-something percentage for white residents in in Porter Porter County. So that indicates something's going on. That doesn't doesn't feel accidental. Now, I don't know, like, what does that mean about the potential to be neighbors to each other? But it does certainly indicate that there's some kind of division going on, that that county line is so patrolled. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I definitely would have to push back on that, too. It's just, again, like I was mentioning, like, Gary in the 60s and 70s, and I feel like that's got to be... The huge, the huge wedge driver, in my opinion, that <laughs> like all of these places, including Valparaiso, just like popped up out of white flight from Gary, and I just feel like I don't know. And I think that I'm inclined to think that if the census data across Lake and Porter counties was a little bit more similarly matched, that I I feel like there wouldn't be it wouldn't be as hard to be better neighbors. I mean, I guess we can't know that for sure, but I think it's like there are greater things that impact, like we were talking about like 
um, like implicit bias on our last show and like um, this African-American student at Falpo who's getting pulled over several times by white cops. And I think there's just like that implicit sense that kind of divides us. Like I know we've also talked about like a sense of othering and not being able to like see one another and more just want to like group each other. And I think about like some of our conversations that we have, like when we talk to Porter County folks and them reflecting on Lake County folks and then Lake County folks reflecting on Porter County folks, like there are these like different narratives that happen. And I think it's not just like a geographic space that divides Mm -hmm. us. And I think there are just some underlying systematic things that prevent us from connecting. But I don't know, it's like, at the same time, it's like, I wonder what else we could do to sort of like bridge that gap. Like, is it lowering our expectations of like what a neighbor should be? Or like, should we still be striving towards that? And also like, you mentioned at the beginning, like there's something about like taking this out of the individual, like the mayor kind of deciding that for Portage and not necessarily like individual people being able to decide that I want to be more neighborly. But I think, I mean, I think it would help, but I also don't know like the kinds of opportunities that we really have to do that. So like, I don't know, I just, I feel kind of stuck sometimes. The opportunity for a mayor to try to build like a, a collaborative decision to send, is that what you mean? Yeah, or? I think I mean more like on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. Like if it's not as popular for just the mayor to decide for the whole city, but I think overall, like, you know, like the folks who came out and, and shoveled us, you know, shoveled our car out yeah. of the snow, it's yeah. just like there's, there, like people do want to do that. But again, if there's not a blizzard or if there's not, you know, s- something else kind of leading you to be able to be more neighborly, there really isn't like, I'm just trying to think individually, like if there's a way for me to do that, I don't, I don't think I really have that. And so it's like, I, <laughs> I feel like we, we, we're pretty stuck until we have things like a big snowfall to like help us make a decision to be more neighborly. But in between that, we're just kind of waiting for those opportunities and we don't have really the the space to make that happen yeah i i also think there's a class issue that's happening here i mean he the storyteller mentions that um lake county faced problems with the big three inner cities of gary east chicago and hammond being part of their county and I'm not exactly sure what he means by that, but I I hear inner city and yeah. I hear like impoverished. So if that's what he means, then that means that Lake County um, is wrestling with a socioeconomic situation that I don't know Porter County is uh, either not experiencing or is afraid of in some way. Mm-hmm. And he then says it's, time has grown and time has gone on like Porter County also faces a lot of challenges some of their own things have happened which he thinks could help us here on this side of the county line better understand what it's been like to live in in Lake County so I I don't I don't know what he's referring to there Mm -hmm. because at least socioeconomically it doesn't feel like our county and maybe this is just because I'm experiencing so much through Valparaiso the city of Valparaiso which is growing and economically benefiting from that growth. But um, the fact that uh, we have challenges here, um, could that help us relate better? Like that might be another place to start thinking about um, before snowstorms (laughs) arrive. Like is there, are there other things that are shared challenges that might pull us together in Mm -hmm. some kind of fashion? Yeah. I mean, I feel at least optimistic that there's one person out there who doesn't think the division is too big. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I really respect his affection for um, and love for his experience in in Gary. And the other stories we have from him on the website, uh, you know, like echo that um, enormously, like the sense of, of community that he had growing up, even though it was in a scrappy blue collar neighborhood um, of Etna, which he says was on the wrong side of the tracks. Like they had a real sense of connection and um, that whole neighborhood kind of came up together. Like the houses were built for the workers. Um, There was a certain ethnic 
background that pulled that community together. So they grew up together in ways that we don't quite experience the same anymore. Um, it is the top of the hour. So this is WVLPLP at 103.1 FM in Valparaiso. And you're here with me, Allison Schutte, and Willow Walsh. Today on Listen Up, we've been discussing stories from flight paths. And the first storyteller that we just finished discussing has a, a pretty optimistic read on the relationship between Lake and Porter County as neighbors. The second storyteller we have for you today is... I don't know. I think one of the questions for us to discuss is how you would describe his attitude, but it is definitely different. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else you want to say before we play that story? Uh, no, just the title of this one is Should Play Nicer. It's an oxymoron, isn't it? I think it is. All the counties in Northwest Indiana, especially Lake and Porter counties, live in this tribal fiefdom of parochial little communities. And, and we say that we are a melting pot, and I never thought we're a melting pot. And some people try to gloss that up by saying, well, we live in a salad. And, you know, we're not mixing like soup, but at least we're coexisting like a crouton and a piece of lettuce. And I just dispel that, too. We don't even do that. You know, we, we can't even be a salad in this region. Because if you think of stereotypes, Porter County is like uh, bumpkins and Lake County is thugs. And that's how we still quantify things pretty much to this day, although it's going back decades with that characterization. And Porter County makes fun of Lake County, which is humorous because Lake County makes fun of Porter County, of course, and they think that thugs only exist in Lake County until the Portage mayor got indicted for possible corruption charges, and he's a Republican, so, oh, wait, you're shaking things up in the region. You can't have a Republican from Porter County being indicted. Just Democrats from Lake County should be indicted. So, yeah, I still think we, we want to exist, but we can't, and, and that's why we have so many communities. We don't have a hub. Gary is not, it's supposed to be the hub, and it's not really anymore because it's Gary, so we lost our hub. We lost our identity, so we have all these little cooks in the kitchen who think they are the chef and they're just sous chefs or whatever the word would be yeah so things should change we should get along better we should play nicer in the sandbox of northwest indiana and the dunes together and we don't do that well enough and it's usually by greed and fear and prejudice those components of human nature that we can't really control as well as we'd like to think we can so it can definitely get better i just don't think it will uh, to be honest and i have no prescription for it I mean, I don't prescribe things, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not that. People think that because of my job sometimes, because I, I write and, you know, and people read my stuff and then, well, you should prescribe this, and, but I'm not a preacher. I don't prescribe things. I just, I just reflect, I think, what we have. What I really want to do with most of my jobs is just show a nice, honest, fair mirror that I just windexed off that's nice and clear. This is who we are. That's it. You do what you want with it. I don't care. Don't give me this disillusioned, glossy effect of who we are. This is who we really are. So this is what Northwest Indiana is, and I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm really fine with it. All right, you're listening to uh, WVLP. Listen up. Welcome Project Radio. And you're here with me, Allison Schutte, and Willow Walsh. And we just heard our second story for the day from the Flight Paths Initiative. This is a storyteller who's a bit more... See, I don't even want to put a word on it yet because I feel like that um, it deserves to be unpacked. But uh, he has a different opinion of how Lake and Porter counties can be neighbors to each other. He calls it uh, good neighbors. He says that's an oxymoron. So where should we where should we dive into this juicy story? I mean, I think right off the top, I I definitely want to dig into. He calls. Porter and Lake Counties saying that we live in a tribal fiefdom of parochial little communities. <laughs> and I was wondering what you what you thought about that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard people talk about this before, and I think that some of the reaction in the first story we heard about the Portage residents saying, hey, this is our taxes, is this sense of like, okay, we have a lot of cities and then like small towns in Northwest Indiana, and everybody has decided to kind of um, form their identity around the smaller unit mm. as opposed to the larger unit. So we call ourselves the region, but we don't really think regionally. Mm -hmm. We actually think much more city, <laughs> which isn't a word, but <laughs> by city as opposed to by region. Do you hear something else? I mean, I guess the word parochial is interesting. 
there's kind of a negative connotation mm-hmm. there. What do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like by like describing it as parochial little communities, it's like I'm hearing like it's it's too it's from a sense of like narrow mindedness in a way that yeah. we that we stay within like our smaller communities and it's it's because of that 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 we maybe don't have the the capacity to think bigger as a region and just stay within these small communities but i don't know like for me like somebody who grew up in valpo i think like I I don't know, this isn't necessarily true. Just from my experience, my sense is that like a lot of people that live in Northwest Indiana like grew up here for the most part. I know you didn't. Right. But it's like so you start in all of these like, you know, cities wherever, but you know, it's like as soon as you get into sports or you enter high school, it's like you're just like you know, you just see each other as like uh like I don't know, not like enemies, rivals? but I remember like yeah, like rivals. And it's just like you wanna have this sense of like pride for your city and like your city being better at at, at some things yeah. than other cities. And I think that, you know, it's like I know like Chesterton did something. They like I think they like before a football game, they like raided Valparaiso's uh, like football field or something and like destroyed it or something or like you know just like littered on it or something okay. but it's just like there there is that sense of like you know like rivalry and so when you grow up in that I don't know it's like I feel like it's really easy like you know as like a young person growing up here to kind of like shape your understanding huh. of the region in that way that's just like well I'm from Valpo and maybe I'll go to Crown Point or something or, or maybe I'll go to Hammond but it's like Valpo is this is my space I'm, I'm proud of Valpo I don't know. So I think that can kind of lend itself to this idea of just like individual, I guess, individuality in a way that it's just like, I don't know. I also think about Valpo as like, well, we have Target and we have like Marshalls and Walmart and like all of these different things that it's like, it doesn't really make it necessary for us to ever really even leave Valpo. Yeah. So I think that's a problem too. And that like, maybe not smaller cities like Wanata and the like, but... I don't know. It's just like we also have everything here that we kind of need. Which is by design. Yeah. I mean, in terms of economics. So part of what we might be up against here is just capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I but I think it's interesting because rivalry doesn't have to be a negative. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have a healthy rivalry. Um, I mean, maybe it, maybe it l- leans... <laughs> unhealthy unless you really foster some sort of healthy sense of rivalry but it doesn't feel like just because you identify with a place it has to put you at odds with all the other places Mm -hmm. right and maybe that term parochial comes back in here because um if you've experienced a larger world or a larger region then you can have some sense of belonging to your smaller part of it, but you can begin to be curious about or see relationships between your area and the rest of the region, or you can see shared experiences, which means you don't have to feel so, I don't know, like um, even if you're proud of your location, that, that that means you have to somehow lower the status of other regions to keep your own status intact or something like that Mm -hmm. so I don't know if he feels like this storyteller feels like part of what's holding us back is the fact that we haven't gotten out enough (laughs) experienced a wide enough world he said he's not going to be making prescriptions for anybody so um I, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, in one sense, I think it's a little bit refreshing. But on the other hand, I feel like, um, I don't know, like, if if you have a, uh, if you've taken, if you've assessed sort of the reality of our circumstances and conditions here, like, don't you then have some responsibility for helping people think about you know like how do we relate to these circumstances and conditions but he's like nope not not something I gotta do (laughs) I think about like this like recent I think it was like a Twitter post from Scarlett Johansson who was like I didn't ask to be a public figure Mm -hmm. who is like you know politically minded and have an opinion on things I just asked to be an actor and she got a lot of blowback from that right because it's like I mean yeah you were in this to be an actor and then you also happen to be like a super famous actor and like people really like you and believe in you and so you have this platform that you've created and I think too it's like 
I don't know, like the same as our storyteller here. It's like you've obviously been able to like see enough of the region and how it operates. You know, he even says like, you know, I've windexed it off that way we can see each other in a mirror. But it's like it's it it sounds like like his prerogative is like you know showing each other like showing us like who we actually are and how we're actually operating. But it does seem like <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I would like some prescriptions. I feel like I've done that on this show. Like go to Gary, go to go to Lake County. You know, it's just like we don't need to stay here in this spot. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just like if you've gotten to that point of enlightenment about the region. It, I would like some some direction because I you know I'm still at a loss. I don't really know how we how we do this, especially like when he's talking about it. You know, some people like uh, call this like a melting pot, and I love that he like makes this distinction between like melting pot is a soup, but that to me like that requires some like fluid movement in between our our communities and our counties, and I don't think that's happening, and he doesn't think it is either. But I also <laughs> like to think I love the 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 lettuce and the crouton like <laughs> coexisting, which which I think is so funny. But I think it's just like I don't know. There I feel like there's still like even miles between our lettuce and our crouton pieces because we're still like in these in these cities. And I think one yeah. thing that he brings up is like <laughs> there being a hub, there being a reason to intermingle because I don't think we have that yeah. right now yeah I I mean the we can get back to the hub thing but I'm thinking now about the other metaphor he does offer of the sandbox mm-hmm. and that connection to the dunes is so geographically palpable that I really like that um, and I, I guess I yeah so Gary um, as a hub but also the the geography here as a as a hub like we could we could define ourselves by the lake the national park the dunes there could be a commitment to place even if we've lost our city you know and I don't want to I don't mean to sit by saying that I don't mean that I feel like we should stop worrying about not having a hub of a city but I, I think it's interesting to think about what else is here. And, and yet we still don't attach to that either. So mm-hmm. it feels like there's something greater maybe going on for us in the region for, I don't know, like, I mean, we could probably start kind of trying to unpack the reasons for that. But I think it's not only that the city is, the city center is no longer holding but that there's some other reason why we don't attach to what we actually share in common, you know, the very ground beneath our feet. And I don't know if maybe some of that has to do with us being an industrial area and you kind of have to separate yourself from your environment because of the crap that (laughs) industry puts into it. And so if you're going to say jobs and economy trumps land and environment, then it maybe is a reason that you don't use that as your hub Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. but what are you interested in about having lost our city hub um yeah well I think it's like I mean when I think about city hub when when I was listening to this story earlier today I was thinking about actually like Chicago yeah and like is Chicago technically like the hub for like Schaumburg and Naperville and like all of these like suburban communities surrounding Chicago and like I don't know like does yeah, that that's a good question does that like actually contribute to the sense of like you know like seeing themselves I'm talking about like all the surrounding cities around Chicago and Chicago as this one unit or is it still does that hub of Chicago really do what our storyteller is saying that it kind of does yeah. because I think like to have a hub like it would require like you know like to have you know I'm thinking things like the Genesis Center like it's like, do you have, like, reasons to, to come to a space? It's just, like, the hub has to be not just existing there, but also to, like, bring people into it. That way we can, I don't know, have a chance to intermingle with one another mm-hmm. because we don't really have those spaces. And so I think you're right in that. It's like the lakeshore could be that for us, but I also think it's, I don't know, it's, you know, it's the pandemic right now and it's kind of crowded sometimes. It's it's hard to, like, find a find a space where... I don't know, we don't just intermingle, but we're, we're, you know, actually experiencing each other as neighbors. And I just don't, I don't think we have those, those spaces. And so I think that's what we're really missing out on. And I think 
I actually read the the sandbox idea a lot differently that oh. we should play differently in the the sandbox region and not and not necessarily differently than you said but it sounds like our storyteller is like really I don't know it's like talking down about the residents in in northern Indiana because I'm thinking sandbox to me sounds really childish Uh, right right. and then he's also talking about it as like this like tribal fiefdom Uh it's just that, that we're like so old century and so backwards it's like you know just these old ideas that aren't you know helping us get forward and Uh like that we're children in a sandbox that we can't really like come to this obvious understanding like adults and i and i so i think he's kind of pointing to that maybe as like do do we have what it takes to kind of Hmm. you know create a hub together or like be able to intermingle and play nicely in the sandbox together because it it doesn't sound like he's very hopeful that we have that ability (laughs) you're listening to wvlp this is listen up welcome project radio with me allison shooty and willow walsh and we're in the middle of discussing our second story for the day um with a storyteller who was born and raised in uh gary and um has a less optimism about how well porter county and lake county might be good neighbors to each other So we've been kind of talking about the way that he sees the region as broken down into these very individual units, and we don't tend to um, collaborate or sit well next to each other. Like, we're not even a good salad. (laughs) Like, our croutons (laughs) and lettuce is not getting along. He talks about how we've lost our identity without Gary as our our hub. I mean, I I think it's interesting to think about Chicago because... I wonder, like, for the people, so let's say that Gary was still our hub and we would go, like, our conferences would be held at the Genesis Center, um, like, big shows would come to what used to be the Palace Theater, uh, The let's say the shopping store, like, the stores on Broadway were still open and uh, actively pulling people in for, like, a shopping and dining experience on the weekend. Um, I, like, so if that's the kind of thing that's happening in Chicago still and that we could have if Gary was our active hub, like, do people that are really going into Chicago from the suburbs benefiting from those activities, like, are they really knowing Chicagoans? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I feel like there's a lot of, um, that doesn't look like salad to me yet either it's it's people dipping in and out Mm -hmm. and potentially still having very negative attitudes about the people who are living in Chicago I mean some of that I think I can't even keep track actually of like how that's changing or not because I know um, people started moving back I should say white folks started moving back into cities and um, so maybe the understanding of the stereotype of the city is has shifted but I feel like with the pandemic and people wanting to move back out of the cities like it's kind of the attitudes about like who's who are falling back along old lines and he this storyteller talks about you know porter county's stereotype is where the bumpkins and lake county stereotype is there the thugs and i feel like there's still something like that between chicago and its suburbs you would have you would mm-hmm. name them differently but i i still think the I, I, yeah, I'm not sure just because there's things pulling people into the city that it means an, an actual engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, but this storyteller doesn't necessarily seem interested in that. I mean, I think he would. I think he would be fine if it did happen. I don't think he's opposed in any sense to there being. What does he? Um, isn't there a section where he talks about we could get better mm-hmm. and that um, yeah it, it definitely it, so this is after the he talks about the sandbox there are components of human nature we can't control greed fear and prejudice as well as we'd like to think we can so it can definitely get better I guess assuming meaning by that that if we did look at our greed fear and prejudice and try to affect more control over them we could play nicer in the sandbox but then he just doesn't think that it's going to happen so he doesn't have a lot of faith in human nature improving itself um but he also doesn't have a problem with human nature as it is mm-hmm. uh, or I, is that fair i mean he says at the end that this is who we are and i'm fine with that 
And I, I've been trying to decide, um, is that sort of like, is that acceptance? And is it a, like, is it a healthy acceptance that then just like, I get to enjoy who we are because I'm not expecting us to have some capacity to improve. So I'm not constantly waiting for us to be better for me to enjoy who we are. Mm -hmm. And in that case, I feel like, wow, I could really learn something (laughs) from this storyteller. And I guess suppose the other, um, the other take might be a kind of resignation, like resigned to the way things are, but I don't feel the resignation in him. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, how would you describe this attitude that he has yeah so he's like you know again like going back to that like parochial little communities it's like i don't know that to me doesn't sound like i don't know maybe it is acceptance but it's just like there's still some like pejorative feeling behind that okay it's just i yeah i wonder because it's you know why would he bring all these different aspects up talking about greed and prejudice you know like these are all the things that have separated us we don't have a hub we're kind of displaced among these different cities you know, to bring that up, but then to also say, like, but I'm fine with it. And, like, it doesn't sound like you're fine with it. But, like, yeah, like, I really had trouble with that, too. Like, what does that mean? And I thought about, like, our conversation about, like, fixing versus yeah, healing. Yeah, no, like, totally. <laughs> like, is this a way of, like, healing to be, like, to not constantly be, like, well, this is where we could be. And if we could only get to this place, then I would feel satisfied. But to kind of, like, come to that maybe acceptance that it's, like, I, I honestly don't feel like we have the capacity to do this or the drive maybe to do this. And so it just won't happen. But, you know, and I've come to terms with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it could go either way. I'm, <laughs> I don't think he's fine with it. But I think, like, maybe to a degree we kind of have to be fine with it. Because, I don't know, for me, it's, like, I want to see us be really good neighbors. And, like, I want to see us get to a place where we could maybe I identify more with one another or just at least have some fluidity beyond these like rigid county and like city lines that you know to have a reason to go to other places but yeah it's like I don't I don't see that happening but it's like I don't know if I'm always operating from that frame of reference like of of what we don't have I don't know that I'm always kind of resentful of northwest Indiana and like this is what we could be but we're not that yeah instead of just accepting like all right well this is what we are I guess I still like us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's uh, just because he's not wanting to prescribe a fix doesn't mean that he is not working for something else himself, right? I, I mean, like I am, I am interested in what you're sensing as like a possible like a persona that he puts on here. I. If, if I had to read it myself, I would say like he, there is some kind of genuine acceptance here that I think is healthy and that I myself could probably benefit from. But I think there's a little bit of disingenuousness on his part that he doesn't, he almost wants to make it sound like he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide whether you're, you're hearing the care underneath that sort of like, I'm too cool to care kind of like <laughs> flippant persona that he's put on um so if he has a persona that he's put on um that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the it's how he's operating in the world then right Mm -hmm. so like his his very he doesn't say it here but you know he's a storyteller he's a reporter he interviews he um talks to people in the region like all the time he's written a book on the region and gary so he's very interested in people's lives and how they're lived. And that interest is itself like an, a form of engagement. So he doesn't think of it as a prescription or a fix. Maybe because, you know, when we start to talk about can counties be good neighbors to each other, we automatically bring up some of that systemic um, uh, in like uh, inequity between Mm -hmm. the region as it is now and how that came to be through our history. And like when you take, you know, when you start to look at the systemic inequity, like you immediately start to want to think about what, like how do you fix that? How do you correct for that? Mm -hmm. And so he's not, he's not interested in in that. Like I feel like almost um, his prescription is like, I'm not going to get involved in like, you know, what are the things we have to, what are the policies that we need, you know, or what are the redevelopment commissions we have to have, or who are the um, 
in, in, like the industry leaders that we have to get invested in the region or, or how do we correct for the politics between Northwest Indiana and this and Indianapolis downstate? Like, how do we get them to care about us again? Like, he's not interested in any of that. He's just interested in like, who are we? Like, I just, I just care about the people. And I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like, is that enough? I guess that gets back to the fixing healing thing, right? Like, or, or why is it, why is it a question of enough? Like, why is it an assumption that it stops there? You know, if you, if you really, um, are interested in working with people and knowing them as who they are and knowing a, a, like a broad range of people. So you're not just narrowly fixated on people who are like you or whatever. Like, why do we think that's like not going to lead to something, but you just don't know what it is. And so it's not a prescription in the sense of some, you know, utopian, vision of how uh like good neighbors will bloom in the region but it's it's also not a passivity i i think so maybe that's where the disingenuousness comes from like he's not passive so if he wants to come across as flippant and protect himself a little bit in that sense it's like actually you're still you're still really engaged here Mm -hmm. and that's that that means something I feel like I would also like throw that back at you and talk about like the Welcome Project archive in and of itself and that it, you know, like on the website, there are so many different stories, like all the ones we've played, but also hundreds more than that. <laughs> and like there, there isn't really like any narrative. I mean, there are some of the courses, but there really isn't anything like overarching on the website that it's like, this is what you should understand by listening to some of these stories. It's just like hear the stories and like just hear what other people have to say and it's like I I feel like that's similar to the work that the storyteller does and like interviewing people and it's just like you're getting to know a little bit more and I would I I don't know I I would be really shocked if someone listened to like 20 stories on the website and like didn't feel slightly differently or like challenge their perspective at all about northwest Indiana like I feel like there is there's something there with that but, like even without the overarching yeah, yeah. narrative that helps contextualize the individual stories. Yeah, like there's just something that it's just like, oh, I didn't I didn't think of it that way. That's interesting. <laughs> but I don't know, it's just like I still find myself struggling with this idea that it's just like to be fine with it or to just, you know, be engaged in the way that like we were on the Welcome Project, like, you know, interviewing people, having conversations with people, but not wanting to get something out of that mm-hmm. <laughs> like however like far away that that possibility might be I don't know it just feels I don't know that feels like hard work <laughs> yeah I mean I, he does have this line don't give me this disillusioned glossy effect of who we are and I again like I feel like that's the part I can appreciate because there is something about you know, like there could be some political grandstanding that goes on, right? To like s- try to say, well, we can pull together as a region and become like one of the newest economic drivers that pulls industry to us. Um, and that sort of like just whitewashing over the history of the region, like not really understanding how we are still. I don't know if he would use the word divided, but he says we can't even be a salad. So there's something about our um, fiefdom here, right? Um, but that that seems like a like we don't we don't need to have a glossy effect. Let's not to, uh, like we're not. I mean, at the Welcome Project, we're not interested in marketing for sure or branding, right? But I think it's worth remembering that we don't need a brand. <laughs> Um, in order to be who we are together. Um, but right before that is this other part of him, right? Like this more flippant, like, this is who we are. That's it. You do what you want with it. I don't care. I mean, that's the part that is still like, ah, I don't know if I believe you. <laughs> um, I do care. I don't know about this storyteller, but I do care. I also don't want a glossy, disillu- uh, glossy illusion of the region, but I do care. (laughs) Do you have any final thoughts today? Yeah, I think I'd also like to hopefully believe that Good Neighbors doesn't have to be an oxymoron, (laughs) that we can get to a place where they do exist together, Good and Neighbors. Yes. 
Well, that's it for today, folks. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to our sponsors, Asana Yoga Center at asanacenter.com and Roots Market Cafe at rootsmarketcafe.com. We here at the Welcome Project Radio love to support our local businesses. And if you'd like to start a conversation with us or ask us any questions, feel free to email us at welcomeprojectradio at gmail.com. Again, that's welcomeprojectradio at gmail.com. And if you'd like to hear more stories like the ones you heard today, you can find them on our website at welcomeproject.balbo.edu and wherever you get your podcasts.